Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Crane. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Dane Brugler of The Athletic, author of The Beast Draft Guide. Just an absolutely invaluable resource, and we're going to be diving into some of the prospects that jumped out to me from going through The Beast. Dane, welcome to the show. Hey, Pat. Appreciate having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know your time's limited today, so we're going to jump right into it. I want to start with the quarterbacks. This has been a quarterback class that's very interesting, does not have a ton of consensus. You have a first to second round grade on Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. You have a second or second to third round grade on the other top quarterbacks. What's the earliest that you would select a quarterback in this class that was up to you? And where do you ultimately think the first quarterback comes off the board? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough when you try to rank these players. You almost have to do a non-quarterback board because it's the, the position is so weighted compared to the others. Um, I, I, I find it hard to really buy into any of these quarterbacks, to be completely honest. If I'm going to draft a quarterback in the first round, I better be convinced that that quarterback is going to be a top 15 quarterback at some point in the NFL uh, during their rookie contract. And I just find it really hard to have any conviction in any of these quarterbacks that they're going to reach that status. Um, I, I think Kenny Pickett could come in tomorrow and win football games. Uh, but is it, he, he the type of guy that can lead you to uh, a Super Bowl run? If the answer is no, then, you know, what are we doing here? What's the point uh, of, of drafting a quarterback like that? So, um, you know, Malik Willis, I'm a big believer in his talent, but there, there's a projection there, a big projection uh, in terms of him developing the field vision, uh, the anticipation, uh, some of these details that it takes to be a winning quarterback in the NFL. And obviously with his uh, with his mobility, his athleticism, that will certainly make things maybe smooth the transition. But I still have plenty of doubts, uh, you know, with this quarterback class. So it's personally, I would not really consider any of these quarterbacks until we get to like the late first round. But that's not that's not in reality. I mean, these quarterbacks always get pushed up. These guys are going to go. It's going to happen. Where does that run start? That's, that's tough to figure out. You look at Carolina at six, Atlanta eight, Seattle nine. Um, I, I, I'm not in the camp that believes the, the Saints are you know, going to go after a quarterback. I don't think that's that was the motivation behind that, that trade to get multiple first-round picks in this draft. I think they want to get better this year in terms of adding a left tackle, adding a wide receiver. I, I think that they want to go for it now more so than 
necessarily address quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know, we'll see. Uh, and then the Steelers, obviously, do they make a move up to go get that quarterback, uh, you know, with a trade? We've seen them move up, you know, 10, 12 spots before, whether it be, you know, Palomalu or Devin Bush. And so uh, if, if the right quarterback is there, do the Steelers make a move? So it's, I, I mean, you, you kicked off this question by saying there's no consensus. And I, that's, that's true, you know, publicly, you know, all, all of us on the outside, that's true in the league. Uh, there's not there's not a lot of consensus among these quarterbacks, but I, I think that uh, we all believe they're going to go pretty early. You released a seven-round mock draft today, and you had Ritter going to the Steelers at 20. Uh, do you think they're more likely to, to sit there at 20 and grab a guy like Ritter or Corral or Howell who might be there? Howell probably, it seems like he's more in the second-round conversation, but sit there and get a guy who falls, or do you think it's more likely that they – trade up and, and probably land Willis or Pickett? History tells us that if you wait, you're probably not going to get your guy. I mean, you know, the Patriots are able to do that last year with Mac Jones. But, I mean, history tells us in the first round, if you want a quarterback, you go get him. You know, you'd be aggressive. And obviously, the, the mindset, the mentality of that, that makes sense. Uh, you, don't, you don't risk possibly missing out on your guy uh, by uh, you know, someone trading up ahead of you or uh, maybe a few landmines in front of your pick. So I, I think odds would say if the Steelers are going to draft a quarterback, it, it, maybe they move up, even if it's moving up three, four spots, just to guarantee that you get your guy. Um, you know, history says that's probably the, the route they would go, but I I think they, they, they could wait at 20 and still get a Desmond Ritter if Ritter is their guy. You know, we just don't know. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, uh, Malik Willis, um, you know, I, I know Malik Willis to the Steelers got attached to him, I think at the senior bowl. And it just became like a foregone conclusion that was going to happen. And all, you know, Malik Willis is going to go to the top 10. The Steelers have to trade up to go get him. I, I mean, it's, it, it you know, the, the quarterback narratives are all over the place throughout this, this entire process. Um, I do know that the Steelers have shown plenty of interest in Desmond Ritter. Um, you know, the, I, I was told the interview went really well. Um, ownership was part of that interview, which is always important. So um, I think Desmond Ritter is squarely uh, in the realm of realistic possibilities uh, for Pittsburgh if they stay there at 20. Beyond Pittsburgh, has Ritter separated himself from Corral and Howell? You know, is that kind of quarterback three or are those guys still in the mix? Maybe not for like the Steelers at 20, but to be a first round pick, maybe a team trading back into the end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like we said, there's really no consensus. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that Ritter is, uh, you know, the three, the third quarterback or a top three quarterback for every team. But, you know, it is interesting. You take a team like the Seahawks, for example. They, they have one quarterback uh, coming to town for a 30 visit, and it's, it's Desmond Ritter. And, you know, how do you read into that? What does that mean? Um, I, I don't know, but I find it interesting. So, um, you know, I think that uh, it's easy to like Sam Howell. It's easy to like Matt Corral enough to draft him uh, in the first round. That's a different question. Um, you know, it's it, it, I think it just goes back to the what we said originally. There's just there really is no consensus. Uh, but I do think there's enough first round chatter on Desmond Rare. He's been in the first round of my I've done two mocks in the last uh, you know two months, and Ritter's have been in the first round in, in both of those mocks. All right, let's move to running back. Kenneth Walker, uh, a guy who's really exciting as a runner. In fantasy, the big unknown and, and kind of the thing that keeps people, I think, from being super, super excited is his ability or what he's shown thus far as a receiver. Uh, how far is he from Brees Hall 
as a, as a receiver and a blocker because you know that matters a lot for fantasy football. Sure, and um, you know he just wasn't targeted uh, a lot, and I think the question becomes: uh, it, it, was that for a reason? You know, is that something that they Michigan State looked to avoid, or was it? Uh, you know, just the offense they wanted to run. And obviously, uh, Kenneth Walker was uh, so good with, as a runner that, you know, we don't need to really develop the screen game when we just know we can hand him the ball and his instincts at the line of scrimmage to find the the, the void, to find that lane. Uh, that's going to that's gonna take him to daylight. So I and talking to – and this is, this is where you try to figure that out by talking to scouts, talking to coaches. And almost universally, it was the latter where it was – more about just wanting to get Kenneth Walker the ball the easiest way possible. They didn't have to feel like they you know need to force feed him the ball through the air. Uh, that just wasn't a part of their offense. They didn't feel like they needed to do that more so than his inability uh, to catch the football. He was targeted 16 times this past year, zero drops. Obviously, you want more of a uh, sample size with him as a receiver uh, before because it makes it a projection. Uh, you know, it's it's guesswork uh, based off of what he's done and based off his workouts. But, uh, you know, talking to teams, uh, they don't have many concerns about uh, Kenneth Walker as a receiver and as a blocker. Now, with Brees Hall, he's shown that he could do it. Uh, you know, Brees Hall has caught at least uh, 20 balls each of the last three years. Uh, he, he's a guy, and not just just screens. He's a guy that can, uh, you know, run, runs a few routes for you, do, do some things as a blocker as well. Um, although I think both these guys need ha- have some room to grow as blockers. Uh, they're, they're not... I wouldn't say above average in that category. They need to get better. Um, but I, I think these are the two, the, the two running backs in this draft class. Me, I, I prefer Kenneth Walker myself, but I certainly understand if Brees Hall is the first runner drafted. Do you think Walker's at more of a risk to like land, like let's say with a Tampa Bay where, you know, Fournette's clearly going to play on passing downs. Like is he at more of a risk of being sort of pigeonholed by a team, at least to start his career? Or do you view that as kind of, you know, if, if if Brees Hall happens to be there and they have him higher on the board, they'll take Hall in Tampa Bay, or it just kind of comes down to more preference than than that. Yeah, and I, I think that that's this is what training camps for. You know, uh, you 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 bring these guys to camp and you figure it out. Um, you know, teams are going to do what's best for their offense. What what's going to uh, you know help us put defenses in conflict and. Uh, a guy like Kenneth Walker, I mean, I, I don't. If you're drafting him in the top 50, top 60, which is where he's going to go. I think you feel good about him as being more than just a runner. Uh, in, in today's game, that that's an essential part of, of playing the running back position. So um, I think if you're drafting him that early, you feel good about him filling that role if necessary. Now, you know, some for some teams, that's just a, uh, it's a philosophical thing, you know, where, uh, you know, you're going to want to use multiple backs as part of uh, a series where you're keeping guys fresh and uh, things like that. So, you know, I, I, it's hard to say, you know, black and white that it's going to be this or that. Uh, but I do think that if you're drafting Kenneth Walker that early, you feel pretty good about his role to be on the field and uh, on any doubt, any situation. I want to move to Rashad White, who is a guy that's kind of like the opposite, where the fantasy community is really excited about him because of the receiving profile. He had 40 and a half receiving yards per game, 2.59 yards per route run, which is awesome. He's got a solid rushing profile. He's got size. Uh, but reading the beast, you had projected him as a capable backup, giving him a fifth round grade in your mock draft today. You had him going to the Cardinals in the sixth round. Now I'm starting to, to freak out a little bit, thinking he's big Eno Benjamin. We've done this before. We we got excited about Kenny Gainwell last year, uh, fifth round to the Eagles, and has not worked out great. So 
you know, it wouldn't be the first time we got a little bit too excited about uh, a receiving specialist type of back. But how do you view White? Can he be can he be like a starting caliber running back at some point who has receiving ability? Is he more of kind of a specialist? You know, and, and I see him as more of that that caught back, you know, change of pace, uh, you know, a complimentary piece to your backfield more so than going to be the featured guy. Um, that That's my evaluation of him. That's my opinion. Um, I think that's, you know, not, I wouldn't say consensus around the league, but I mean, that's kind of the feedback I get on, on Rashad white. Um, but you know what, for a guy like that with his talent, I could, I could see him go third round that that's not like out of the realm of possibility. If a, if a team, if that's exactly what they're looking for. A guy that, uh, you know, you're going to use out in space. You're going to ask him uh, to run some routes. Uh, you know, that could be a fit. That could be exactly what they're looking for. So uh, this running back class is, is funny because we're going to see those first two guys go early in the second round or top two rounds uh, with Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. And then, you know, when's that next running back come off the board? Is it Spiller? Is it, you know, could it be a guy like Rashad White who, um, even though I think he is a little bit of a specialty back, if a team, that's exactly what they're looking for, they might look at him and say, we don't want to wait and see, you know, does he, lot, does he last to us in the fourth round? So we're going to take him here in the third. I think that that's certainly possible. I think once we get past the second round, it, it's going to be interesting to see the order of these running backs come off the board, third, fourth, fifth round. Rashad White's right there in that mix. You know, like a guy like Pierre Strong with that speed, he's also in that mix. Uh, but his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, uh, Rashad White, that, that's going to keep teams a lot of teams interested. Any thoughts on where Tyler Algier goes? Uh, I know you're pretty high on him. He really popped to me when I was looking at the numbers. Um, but it seems like a little hard to figure out, like, is he a fifth-round pick? Does he have any shot of, of going day two? Any thoughts on him? I think he could sneak into day two. I mean, he honestly, he falls in that same conversation where – once we get that past those first two backs, it, nothing would surprise me in terms of who's that third running back drafted, um, and, and then what's the order from there. It just depends on what style of running back you're looking at. With, with Algier, do you wish he had a little bit more burst? Yeah. Do you wish he was, uh, you know, just had a little more juice to his running style? Yeah. But you know what? He's. I, I think besides that, he's got everything you want. Five eleven, two twenty five. Uh, very good in pass protection, catches the ball well. And then you know, a lot of the running back specific uh, areas, uh, I think he's above average in terms of balance, in terms of patience, in terms of vision. Um, you know, he's a really competitive player. And so I, I think there's a lot to like about Tyler Algier and kind of that that James Conner mold a, a, as a running back who, you know, we know is – uh, at least paid like a top 10 running back in the NFL, maybe even higher. So uh, I, Algier, it, for the right fit, for the team looking for a guy it, it fitting that profile, could definitely see him come off the board somewhere in that you know 75 to 125 overall range. The guy that was originally supposed to be the, the running back three in this class, maybe even the running back two, was Isaiah Spiller. In fantasy drafts, he was getting taken ahead of Walker in kind of the early, early drafts. Uh, you still have have him running back three. There's buzz that the NFL still considers him as a potential round two pick, but you gave him a, a round three to four grade. Uh, where do you think he ends up landing? Where where do you think he ends up getting drafted? Yeah, the the numbers are confusing because I don't. I mean, you watch him on film, and I don't. You don't see a deficient athlete. Um, you know, is he the best athlete you've ever seen? Of course not. But you don't watch him and say, "Oh God, I, w- I wish you were a little quicker." Or, you know, I mean, he plays quick. He makes guys miss with his footwork, uh, with his instincts. Uh, he's very controlled with his footwork uh, in terms of not taking wasted steps and, and, and wasting any of that momentum. So 
Um, I, it was really surprising to see the the testing numbers, and, that, and this is where you know you have to you have to marry uh, what's going on on the tape, and then what what the testing numbers say. How, how do you uh, reconcile that? And Isaiah Spiller is one an interesting test case for that. I, I think more often than not, teams are going to lean towards what they saw on film. And I think something that really saves uh, Spiller is uh, the fact that, you know, his receiving production, I, I think that's something that's really going to help him. Um, the fact that his yards per carry increased every single year in, uh, in the SEC each of the last three years. So I, I think he's a guy that you just, you, you feel good about. You, you might not feel great about him. It might not excite you anymore because of those testing numbers are kind of sticking in the back of your mind but I still think you feel good about what he showed on tape, the controlled feet, uh, the way he can tie everything together, the patience, the vision, what he does in the passing game. I still think he ends up uh, somewhere. He's going to go somewhere top four rounds. It's just, does he still go on day two, second, third round? Does he slip to round four? Uh, you know, regardless, I, just, I still think teams are pretty optimistic about him. He's also one of the younger running backs in the class. Does that factor in at all here? I mean, I don't know if that like directly applies to the the subpar athleticism, but certainly, you know, makes you think maybe there's a little bit of untapped potential. Yeah, the age thing is definitely um, it's polarizing around uh, around the league, um, you know, because it's it's tough. Different guys mature at different ages, both, you know, uh, mentally, physically. Um, and, and so I think it's kind of a case by case basis. Like, you know, it, it is interesting that he is, uh, you know, pretty much the, the youngest running back in this class, basically. And, uh, you know, there's uh, he's had a lot of success in it, that first top competition at a young age. And, you know, I think that that plays into his evaluation. It's at least something that's it's a talking point when you try to lay out all the cards and figure out where Spiller belongs on your draft board. All right. Moving to wide receiver here. Uh, Traylon Burks, I think, is one of the most interesting evaluations in the class uh, you note he played 77 percent of his snaps in the slot with 83 percent in the slot backfield or in line 68 percent of his 2021 receptions came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage so not exactly like a traditional wide receiver at the same time he was extremely effective and efficient when used downfield he's got good ball skills how realistic is it to expect him to eventually trans transition to being an outside wide receiver? We saw AJ Brown in the slot in college. He's obviously a star on the outside. Now does Burks have a much tougher road ahead to make that type of transition? Is that even how he should try to you know move? Should he just be a slot receiver in the NFL or kind of a hybrid player? How do you view him as like where he's going to be in two to three years time? Yeah, a lot of his profile, you know, the traits say X receiver, uh, you know, a guy that's the size of a linebacker, 6'2", 225. Part of uh, doing an evaluation like this is the context of, okay, why was he used that way? Was it as simple as this is the way, this is the easy, you know, he's the best player on the field, and this was the easiest way to get the ball in his hands is by keeping him in the slot, by lining him up in the backfield, uh, using him in that way to just manufacture touches. Um, and I think there's something to that. I mean, nobody in the SEC had more plays of 20 plus yards last year than Traylon Burks. And, you know, I think that going to the combine, not, you know, not running extremely well, that was a little bit of a, of a head scratcher, four, five, five in the 40 yard dash. Cause you watch the film and you throw on the Alabama tape. They're not catching them once he gets out in the open field. So um, it, it is interesting how much faster he appears on, on the field, as opposed to what he tested and I think part of it is too that 
Uh, and this is this is uh, something that needs to be watched with Traylon Burks. He was pushing 240 uh, towards the end of the season, and by the time you know he got you know he's done with the season, started working out for the draft. Some of that focus was just getting his weight back down uh, to to the 225 range, uh, more so than you know training uh, some other parts of uh, of his game. So you know you you worry about him staying in, in ideal peak shape. That that's something that's part of his evaluation. But um, the questions still remain in terms of can he beat press on the outside? That's something he just wasn't asked to do quite often. Um, you know, expanding that route tree downfield. Um, I thought he caught the ball well down the field. I thought he tracked the ball well. Um, of his 18 targets of 20-plus yards down the field, caught 12 of them, zero drops. I mean, there, there's things to like that tell you that tells you he can be an X receiver. He can play on the outside but there is going to be a learning curve for him there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So uh, I think you are spot on by saying he's one of the more fascinating evaluations in this class. It seems like he's going to end up going in the late first round, kind of the 20 plus range in the draft that has a good chance of creating a situation where we're very excited for fantasy. You know, he lands with the Cowboys or the Packers or the chiefs. Do you think it's as, as simple for him as landing with a good quarterback or would it be better for him to land with a team like the bills where, you know, maybe he can kind of come on a bit slowly, like that learning curve you're talking about, you know, he doesn't have to be the primary outside guy because they have Stefan Diggs. They've got Gabe Davis. He can probably learn slowly, get some slot routes, get some easier coverage on the outside, et cetera. How do you view like his landing spot? Is there, you know, potential downside if he is, forced into a, a big role right away, even if it's with a good quarterback? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think uh, ideally, I, I do think we, we've had so much success from rookie uh, wide receivers lately that I think we forget that for the longest time, wide receiver was considered, uh, you know, maybe the the longest in terms of uh, transitioning from college to the NFL because, you know, you're it, so much it, it is about timing with your quarterback. Everything has to be perfect. Uh, you know, you're facing uh, press more than you did in college. You're facing a lot better uh, corners. Uh, and so traditionally, wide receivers, it took a year. It took two years before these guys were able to acclimate themselves. But, you know, we, we've had we've been spoiled the last few years with some of these rookie wide receivers. Traylon Burks is probably more of the it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, and I think if you especially, uh, you know, he has a, there, there's a chance he could land at 24 in Dallas. There, there's plenty of interest there. Um, if he does, he's going to be expected to produce early, uh, especially with Michael Gallup, probably not going to be ready uh, from the get-go uh, coming back from that knee injury. And obviously, you know, you have C.D. Lamb uh, uh, that's going to, you know, uh, demand a lot of attention, but, you know, uh, no more Amari Cooper. So it, 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 no more Cedric Wilson as well. So going to a place like that, there, there could be maybe, uh, you know, he'll have a tough time living up to that from, from the get-go, from day one. Meanwhile, he goes to Buffalo, which is where I had him in my mock draft. That's where you can bring him along at his own pace. And it won't be like, okay, he has to produce right away. That might be the better landing spot for him long term. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk about George Pickens, who's another kind of really tough evaluation. The consensus in the fantasy community is that he's sort of a boom bust pick. He dropped off statistically in his sophomore season. Then he tore his ACL in the spring of 2021, basically missed the entire season, played enough to show that he's healthy, and then uh, impressed at the combine, despite being less than a year removed from the injury at that point. He was great as a freshman. How good was he in that peak form freshman season? 
Um, and, and how do you view his NFL season if he can be that type of player in the NFL? Yeah, in a lot of ways, it was, uh, you know, the offensive version of Derek Stingley, uh, you know, who was an All-American corner for LSU in 2019. And then uh, he set the bar so high that he just, you know, the last two years, you know, injuries was a big part of that. But, um, you know, wasn't able to replicate that. And Pickens, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, he didn't have quite the same success as Stingley did as a freshman, but he led the team in receiving at eight touchdowns. His competitive nature is what I think stands out the most with him. Um, how big he is, how he wins those 50-50 balls, his tracking skills. Um, you know, he is a he's a player that is uh, not going to give you or you know the the yak. You worry about that if you're looking for a guy that's routinely going to make plays after the catch. Not sure George Pickens is is the guy that's going to be that uh, for you. But his ability to win at all three levels uh, it really stands out. Um, he's a graceful athlete, ran in the four fours at, at six, three, uh, 200 pounds. So I, he has wide receiver one traits. Uh, he has it. It's just, you know, can he return to that pre-injury form? Can he continue to develop as a route runner? Um, I, I'll be surprised if Pickens does not go somewhere in the top 40 for, uh, you know, cause I think there's too much there that, you know, we're going to see six, maybe as many as eight receivers go first round. I, it, we're going to see a run on those guys. Pickens is right there in that mix. How do you think teams are viewing uh, things between him and Sky Moore, who's sort of a little bit of the opposite case where like the only major red flag I see is that he's, he's not really a deep threat, but you know, everything else looks really good. And then the level of competition coming from a non power five school, but otherwise he seems like a pretty safe bet. Is he leading the race there to be in, in that late round one mix over Pickens or is Pickens still ahead? I think it depends on what you're looking for. I, I don't, you know, we, we, these receivers are all in the same bucket as, as pass catchers, but they offer all different things. And if you're looking at Sky Moore, uh, like he's, he's not your traditional X, you know, he's going to be probably best in the slot. I don't think he has to play in the slot. He could play on the outside, but he's going to be at the best uh, in the slot where, uh, you know, at Western Michigan, they ran a lot of quick game and, you know, slants and uh, you know, he's able to, he's so good with his reflexes to snare the football without breaking stride and then making something happen with his toughness and his speed uh, after the catch. Um, but with George Pickens, obviously, it's a different conversation. He offers something different. He gives you upside uh, to be a future X on the outside as a maybe a true number one for your team. So, you know, a team like, uh, like the Colts, uh, you know, I, I think that George Pickens in a lot of ways, I think he fits what, what Chris Ballard likes at the receiver position. But at the same time, I think Sky Moore might be the better fit for what they have on the roster right now. Michael Pittman on the outside, you plug in Sky Moore as as that running mate, either in the slot or outside. And I think that's the better fit. So I think team by team, they're going to look at it a little bit differently. That makes sense. All right, I want to move to to close things out here. A group of deep threat wide receivers. To me, they seem sort of like similar bets, but the NFL has sort of picked their favorite among the group, that being Christian Watson. Uh, who seems like he's got a chance of going in the first round and, and certainly wouldn't fall out of the second round. You have a second to third round grade on Watson. You also have a second round, second to third round grade on Jalen Tolbert and a third round grade on Alec Pierce. Uh, the NFL definitely seems to favor Watson over the other two. How do you view their skill sets in comparison to one another? How close are these three? And ultimately, do you think there will be a big gap between where we see the first guy go and the last guy go? There probably will be a gap because I think Watson is going to be overdrafted in the first round. Um, you know, a six four uh, and you're that size uh, with four three speed. 
I mean, he's crushed the process, uh, senior bowl, the workouts, the combine is pro day. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, the price tag is, uh, out of my spending limit, uh, w- w- with, uh, Christian Watson. I, I would love to draft him in the late second, uh, early third and develop him. But I, I think where he's going to go is just outside of what I'm willing to spend. Um, and it's because he's still very raw as a route runner. Uh, he, you know, way too many drops. You, if, Watching him at the FCS level, you want to see a guy that just dominates the catch point, and he consistently struggled to do that. Um, and so I, I see a guy with tons of traits, and this is what the NFL drafts. They draft traits. Uh, but at the receiver position, for a guy that's 23 years old, uh, I just need a little bit more I, I just I, I, if I'm going to draft him in the first round. Um, so Christian Watson, I think, is going to be drafted probably a full round earlier than where I would draft him. And then a guy like Alec Pierce – uh, could still be available in, like, say, the mid-third. Um, you know, he's a guy that needs to add branches to his route tree. Uh, you, you love the speed. You love the size. You love uh, his ability to high point, make catches uh, over defensive backs. But he needs to be a little bit more than that. Uh, needs to uh, diversify uh, his skill set and the way he plays. So, uh, you know, and then Jalen Tolbert is probably somewhere in the middle where he adds a little bit more polish, uh, just maybe not the explosive athlete that the other two guys are. In a couple years' time, if if one of these guys puts it together, uh, who do you view as having like a ceiling that maybe goes beyond just being a deep threat? Like, can one of these guys emerges their their team's top wide receiver? Uh, you know, I, I think it's possible with with development. Um, it, it, being the top receiver, I think that would surprise me. Uh, you know, being a true number one, uh, the focus of an offense. But I, I think that any one of those guys could end up being a really good number two. Uh, I think that's probably their ceiling for them. Um, and, and let me give you another guy that, 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 you know, we haven't talked about Danny Gray from SMU. He, he's one of my favorite day three players this year. Uh, if there's a Darnell Mooney in this class, I think it could be Danny Gray, legit four, three speed. Uh, you watch SMU tape, you see him win at every level of the field. So he can catch the ball, be a threat after the catch, uh, can win over the top, can track the ball. You wish he was a better finisher, way too many drops. But, uh, if I'm, if, if the price tag is a late third or a fourth round pick, I'm feeling pretty good about Danny Gray. So, uh, you know, he could be that Darnell Mooney in this class. All right. That's exciting. Dane, let the people know about the beast and all your great work. Uh, all you need is a subscription to the athletic. Uh, and even if you sign up for one month and just try us out, you get this, uh, you get the draft guide uh, for free as part of that subscription. Uh, if you like the NFL draft at all, a 0% chance you'll be disappointed with what it has to offer. Testing data for 1700 players in there. Uh, of course, all the analysis. I, I take a lot of pride in all the background work as well. So, um, you know, I, I try to create something that, a, a, as a true draft fan, I would want to read. And, you know, I try to set the bar higher every year. And uh, hopefully we achieve that. The feedback has been awesome so far. Um, also, I have my seven-round mock out today uh, on the site, on The Athletic. So hopefully people go check it out. It's incredible. I mean, you, the way you have it formatted as well, if you want to just kind of skim through, read the read the uh, kind of big takeaways, read the strengths and weaknesses you can, you want to figure out like their recruiting profile where they grew up and all that stuff i mean it's as deep as you want to go and it's super comprehensive so can't recommend it enough and and thanks so much for joining us no i appreciate that pat anytime feel the pulse of the city feel the beat of the drum feel the bass blow your hair in las vegas live music delivers much more than sound it's where music comes alive with artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. 
This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Before we go here, I want to remind everybody that you can get an MLB discount here. The 2022 MLB season is underway, and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASIS22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASIS22 at checkout to save big this season. Uh, just to kind of to wrap up some points here um, after after talking to Dane, I think the the George Pickens uh, assessment is one of the hardest ones out there, not just because uh, he only really had a, a strong season as a freshman, but because like even that was very low raw stats. Uh, he had uh, very very touchdown driven statistics there, um, which which also makes you a bit more concerned about you know how much to trust it. Uh, but it, it was a very good season. He would he had 2.64 yards per route run that year. His teammates combined for just 1.32. Falls off as a sophomore to 1.93. Then he tears his ACL. But it's one of those things where, you know, if he can get back to where he was as a freshman, it could be huge. Justin Ross is another sort of similar guy in this class. But the NFL seems far more interested in, and has a lot more faith that Pickens can get back to that. My hope is they have enough faith to take him at the end of the first round. One of the reasons that I was so curious about, you know, Sky Moore versus Pickens, Watson as well, getting into the end of the first round as opposed to early round two is that like we are probably for some of these guys talking about the difference between the Chiefs and the Texans. You know, if you if you wait a little bit further, maybe we get a Colts landing spot. I agree with Dane that that would be pretty nice really for either guy, but especially for Sky Moore. But there's kind of this danger zone that you got to get past. And the Texans, I mean, they should add wide receivers, uh, especially if they want to see what they have in, in Davis Mills. So, you know, hopefully for George Pickens, we do have enough faith with a 4 4 7 40 at the combine, 125-inch broad jump, 33-inch uh, vertical. That is pretty outstanding for a guy less than a year removed from an ACL tear. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that that jumped out to me that, you know, he might be – in that late round one mix, uh, certainly we've seen Jamison Williams uh, stock up eat despite a much more recent ACL tear. So the NFL seems like they're willing to, to take a chance on that guy. And with that type of draft capital, I think Pickens would really have a very high ceiling, kind of a boom bust pick in the mold of T Higgins. But that'll do it for this episode. Make sure to join us next week. We got the draft two weeks from today. So time to get pretty excited that we are approaching 
knowing where these guys are actually going to be playing football in 2022. See you guys. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.